I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And everything's coming up podcast. Uh, this episode is brought to you by, <laughs> of course I need my uh, notes up. This episode is brought to you by Love in the Time of Scurvy. My, <laughs> the seas are certainly heaving. And uh, we're also sponsored today by Farmer Homer's Sweet Sweet Sugar. Oh, we got them? Yeah, we got them. Oh, that's It took great. a long while, you know. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. We do have a lot of bees in here, though. Ooh. <laughs> and I, I think that it's going to be raining later. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I have a lot of money on this. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and a, and a uh, British gentleman. <laughs> uh, so today we are talking about Lisa's rival uh, with Liz Prince. Hello, Liz. Hi. How are you? I am doing really well today. My cats did not throw up on my tablecloth this morning, so it's already better than yesterday. Wow, that's a win. Yeah, yeah. That's when you know it's going to be a good week. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so Liz, I'm a, I'm a very big fan of yours, uh, so I was very excited that you wanted to do The Simpsons Podcast. I have all your books, and I'm excited to talk about my favorite show with you. Excellent. I'm a big fan of this podcast, and oh my gosh, I don't know if you guys heard that interference, or if it was just on my end. <laughs> what, was, what was going on over there? Was it some... I don't know. I heard myself talking. Oh. Well, we, we also hear you talking. <laughs> but it was like a robot me. Oh, no. <laughs> We're doing this via Skype. Where are you talking to us from? Uh, I'm in Somerville, Massachusetts. Ooh. Lovely Somerville, Massachusetts. That's that's fun. We are recording from uh, way too hot Los Angeles, even it's though it is too hot. It's, almost Thanksgiving. It's like 88 degrees here. It's not it's 98 degrees. It's 98 degrees pop sensation <laughs> here. Uh, we're all the in it pretty hard. So <laughs> that's okay. It's only Baja men here. So oh, all the dogs out. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Can we all agree that this should be like introduced into the nomenclature? Like we should all just be <laughs> using like lachets as like a verb or an adjective or, you know, Baja men. Yeah. Let's start there right now. Absolutely. Uh, I really appreciate how you guys say the title of your podcast all in sync like that. Hey! She did it again. Here we go. Um, But those are the only boy bands I know, so it's over. Uh, Are the Beatles a boy band? (laughs) Backstreet Boys? The Monkees? The Monkees. (laughs) They don't even play their own instruments. (laughs) Uh, so and we're off to the races. <laughs> so uh, you picked uh, the episode Lisa's Rival, uh, but based on our exchanges, it seems like this was a somewhat uh, lengthy process for you or something that maybe was uh, emotionally challenging. Can you tell us your process of choosing this episode? Sure. So I kind of felt like um, that feeling that you get when you go into a record store and you can't remember any bands you like. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's got to be a German word for that. Uh, I got that feeling when I was trying to pick an episode for this podcast um, because it felt like it would be an identifier for like the rest of my life. Yeah, like a footnote on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, Liz chose this episode. What does it say about her? Um There's also just so many episodes of this show that I love and that I would love to talk about that it felt really difficult to narrow it down. Yeah. Yeah. I guess luckily or unluckily for me, someone had already done Lemon of Troy, which is my favorite episode. Shake Mm -hmm. harder, boy. Oh, it's so good. I'm very glad you picked this one um, because... Anything that has uh, Lisa in the front is always a favorite of ours, I think. But uh, I must say, I really like the other character's name (laughs) quite a bit. I know, I was going to say. (laughs) Uh, And I used to have hair just like Allison's and used to dress just like Allison. And that's kind of where it ended. (laughs) I I don't know how to play anagrams. I'm bad at everything. What about a ball? Are you good with a ball? I'm good with a ball. (laughs) Can you bounce it? Yes, I could bounce a ball. (laughs) Um, So we're going to read from our uh, episode guidebook, and after we do, we will jump into the episode, including some of the reasons why you love it so much. So uh, here is the plot. There is a new... I don't know why I always... I feel like I'm I'm like doing... Recording it like an audio book whenever I do this. I'm like, hello, chapter one. Uh, There is a new student in Lisa's class, Allison Taylor. 
uh, who seems pretty smart. <laughs> who seems pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> I know. These are written. I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, offend the person who actually wrote this, but I do believe they were an intern. OK. However, <laughs> Lisa learns that she is younger and has been skipped ahead a grade. Furthermore, wait a minute, who wrote this? <laughs> Furthermore. Furthermore, <laughs> they both play sex and are vying for first chair in the school band. After they both try way too hard, Lisa faints and Alice... Okay, this is a crummy... <laughs> I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop it right now and just read this very brief one. I'm sorry, I never do this, but that was just... Furthermore, it set me over the edge. So now we're over at Simpsons uh, Wikia. The Wikia, <laughs> okay. Uh... Synopsis. It looks as if Lisa's days as the class brain are numbered when the new student proves to be smarter, younger, and plays the sax better than her. Meanwhile, Homer strikes white gold in the form of an overturned sugar truck. I have a question. You guys were reading from the actual episode guide, yes? Yes, that giant... uh, Anthology anthology. of... Oh, okay. Because what I have in my... uh, It's the seasons one through seven or whatever that first one was is different. Ooh, can you read yours? Um, (laughs) Let's all read the plot of this episode. (laughs) New student Allison Taylor joins Lisa's class. She's as intelligent and as talented a saxophone player as Lisa. Vying for first chair in the band, each girl blows complicated riffs in an attempt to outplay the other. Lisa faints from the effort, and Allison is awarded first chair. I'm glad that they got that blows complicated riffs part in there, because otherwise the audience would be lost. I'm going to start putting asterisks, blows complicated riffs, under (laughs) all of of my pictures. (laughs) You should! I am. Oh my god, that's really good. we encourage you to do the same. Yeah, that's going to be like the new booty had me like. I think that's what's going to be it. Yes. I was always, I was trying to search for the new booty had me like for years. We just, you know, it happens organically. (laughs) Uh, I certainly hope that that's what it says if you have the uh, captioning on on this episode. Yeah, that's that's always a treat. And I love that, especially when you watch like a a foreign language film and, you know, they they do the accounting for, I don't know, random actions, too. And it's always like never what you would describe it as. Yeah. (laughs) So somebody in a bunker describing what human behavior is like. I always love, uh, and I kind of want to compile if no one has done this already, um, muffled screams. Just any time <laughs> brackets, muffled screams in the uh, captions. But we're not here to talk about captions. Uh, we are here to talk about a very classic episode. Um, and uh, I think we could just start. This uh, episode was written by friend of the show, Mike Scully. Yay, we love Mike Scully. Um, and it was directed by Mark Kirkland. And here's a fun fact. Winona Ryder was the voice of Allison. That is fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I love about um, re-watching any episode that I haven't seen in a while, especially one that you think you know really well, because this is a pretty famous episode. I figured, of course I know what happens. Uh, no, I forgot about the sugar. Uh, also what? forgot about... <laughs> I know! I also forgot about Marge's uh, erotic fiction, which yeah. was very fun. It was it was very brief, but it was very fun. And yeah, the sugar B-plot is like so randomly put in there, but it works. I mean, it, it tracks. It has its own little arc. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not something that I think that you would immediately think of in this episode. I just love the feeling of like they have two hats and one is A stories and one is B stories and they're going to make it work. Well, that's one of the things that I've always loved so much about Simpsons episodes. And I guess that one of the reasons why I like this episode so much is that it feels like there's a really good balance between the the main storyline being this one that's kind of um, a little more maybe emotional in a way, uh, dealing with jealousy and competition, especially between young girls. Um, And then this like totally just kind of really random, crazy, but like nonstop funny B plot of Homer finding this sugar and then trying to sell it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, gosh, there, I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the show and how, the Simpsons really touches on really heartbreaking moments of adolescence. And I feel like this episode coupled with the episode where um, Ralph falls in love with Lisa is something that is so emblematic of, of being young and, and confused and trying to find your identity at that age. And, you know, female friendships are hard, but I also feel like just general competition and rivalries between your peer group 
is also hard, that it's not gender specific. Yeah, definitely. And especially for someone like Lisa, who for so long has been uh, exemplary for all of these traits, uh, even if it was negative, um, is now no longer even that. Like she doesn't even get to be the only one anymore, which is something that's really hard for a lot of kids that were kind of weird growing up. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of people in their 20s kind of realize a lot of what they're banking on is that they're cool for their age. Or, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yes. And so when you finally have the, the younger person come in who's right. just as interesting and talented, you feel so threatened. Uh, and this episode does a great job of showing someone who we admire and respect. Um, at least, you know, we do. <laughs> Some people probably hate this episode because they don't care about Lisa at all, but eh. uh, they came for the bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they came for the bees. They stayed for the British gentleman. Stayed they for the bent, bent my Wookiee. <laughs> bent my Wookiee, yeah. But um, I, I just think they do such a good job of showing a character who is so normally very, you know, rational and, and very pragmatic and, and mature, you know, kind of lose her grip. Right. One of the things that really strikes me um, about this episode is that, you know, historically throughout, you know, all of the seasons, Lisa has a really hard time making friends um and so there's like this added heartbreak that she finally meets someone who's kind of like an equal and has a lot of the same interests but she can't enjoy that yeah like that there's that one line when you know she walks over to her in the playground and says like oh you know uh like oh you play saxophone too i'm sure that means means so much in common (laughs) i'm sure that means we will be the best of friends and she even knows in that moment that you know, they, this like crazy truth to young friendships, young female friendships, all of it, that, you know, if there if there is that slight edge of competitiveness or of your identity being at risk, then it's going to just form this huge wedge and, and it's just going to grow into something more massive than you can deal with. Yeah, that's something I love so much is that Lisa's rival, you know, you look at Homer's enemy, that's someone who really hated Homer, but Lisa's rival is someone who's a wonderful person which is something that she says and kind of chokes on and that is the that is what makes this so interesting is they should be friends they should be it makes sense but because of the way that you know the playground is set up and society is set up and women are you know pit against each other it totally is just a threat instead of someone that you'd love right yeah, Liz, didn't, when you were growing up, did you have a similar experience to this, being creative and, you know, being an artist and writing and stuff like that? Um, not really, but there were times when, uh, it would, and it was usually actually boys would be aggressive to me because of uh, drawing I would get oh, into yeah. a lot of spats with boys who would be like, I'm a better artist than you, <laughs> oh. kind of be like... <laughs> All right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's kind of a story that dies and goes nowhere. But uh, I was thinking about it while I was watching this episode again, um, is that I actually had, like, very few close female friends, but there really wasn't this, like, competition between us, even though most of us, like, really liked cartoons and wanted to be animators. Um, It was more like we were working together than working against each other, which is actually a good memory, not something that I would have uh, necessarily thought was part of my past. You got lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) You got really, really lucky. I feel like, I mean, that's not impossible to um, have, uh, especially when you're younger, because I feel like as you get older, those rivalries may strengthen um, just because you're entering like a career field, but it's it's kind of hard to navigate around it if even just one person feels left out or feels like they need to be competitive. It's so hard to like have a harmonious group dynamic when it comes to I think being creative and searching for an identity. Totally, I would say yeah. that I've actually probably suffered with it more in my adult life than I had uh, really when I was younger, but. Um, I think that's because being a, you know, quote unquote, professional cartoonist, it's like really hard not to compare yourself to what other people are doing. Totally. And you kind of have to defend your title more frequently than like being a kid. You're like, I'm a kid and then I do (laughs) stuff and I'm having a good time. But like, 
you know, when you enter adulthood and, and you are um, going toward a, a career, especially creative career that is not um, conventional in the fact that, you know, you follow a certain track, you work at the office for this amount of years and you climb the ladder, you kind of have to navigate your own way and kind of defend it in your own way of like, I'm working, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm expanding uh, my, I don't know, creative reach mm-hmm. is what I'll go with in that. Yeah, I, I can understand that completely. Yeah, and I just love that, you know, as always, The Simpsons is able to do something that we could identify with as adults and kids and you know see in ourselves and others and still have just a like plethora of jokes you know and like I I love how these episodes all start this one's actually very cohesive so you know it out the gate Lisa's playing her saxophone and uh Bart comes in about the crank phone call and we hear Skinner on the other end uh, well, yes, my refrigerator is running. Thank you, anonymous young man. Yeah, uh, you just <laughs> saved me from a lot of spoilage. <laughs> spoilage was the word I took away from that. I was like, oh, I'm going to use that. <laughs> uh, and, and then, of course, you get uh, you get a quick shot of Flanders. Uh, you know, what does he say? He's like the, the angels are coming or something. Oh, yeah. It's Gabriel's trumpet. Gabriel's trumpet. <laughs> Um, and of course, I, I, love, I love Marge um, having any kind of like sexual side i like when marge is sexual yeah me too i like it when homer and marge are sexual but i also like when marge you know (laughs) she's doing it for herself yeah (laughs) way to go marge uh one of uh, for some reason i mean probably because it's a it's a joke uh but for some reason this line makes me laugh of just like oh does that earring mean you're a pirate kind of (laughs) (laughs) uh i really like the idea that um you know we see homer quote-unquote fixing Marge's camera, holding a drill to it, and then hitting it with a hammer and breaking it completely. Um, And I like this idea that Homer has this, like, stereotypical, like, fix-it side, but Marge knows that he's going to fuck it up. And she was like, I sacrificed a very expensive camera to get some alone time. Yeah. Uh, I love that idea that that she knows... (laughs) Yeah. That Homer is not going to fix that camera. Oh, no. She's a mastermind completely. Like, she she knows ev- Homer's every step. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I love that line that comes after, uh, you know, when Lisa's playing her sax and interrupting the whole neighborhood. Uh, Marge says, Lisa, stop blowing my sex. I mean, stop blowing your sex. Your, your sex. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, a flustered Marge is a Marge I love. Any a march for all seasons, in my opinion. Yeah, March is the best. <laughs> yeah, she's just the best. My love for her just grows stronger the more we talk about these episodes. Um, so you know they do a great job of setting up kind of again just who Lisa is. We have uh, Ralph ask for an answer, and uh, Lisa's very just like that would you know destroy the integrity of uh, bloody blah. That would ruin the integrity of why we take tests and blah 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 blah. And then, of That's course, pretty much what you just said. <laughs> uh, Ralph says, uh, "My cat's name is Mittens." Ralph <laughs> has a lot of quality Ralph lines in this episode. It's killer. We get th- like I would say that one's kind of like it gets buried, but the two at the end are so Oof. famous. They're on oh, yeah. so many T-shirts at Spencer's. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, we get uh, we get Allison who comes in. Who's it's all you know? Simpsons hair is always so interesting to me. Yeah, uh, it's really just the Simpsons family that has the weird. Is it part of their skull? Is it you know? Yeah. Is it just yellow type of thing? Because they the characters look so beautiful when they have nice hair. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to be jealous and fall in love. Like her hair, and then. Um, Mindy's hair, I think, yeah, are, very similar. Are, are the hair queens in yeah. my book. <laughs> Liz, what are some of your favorite jokes from this episode, just off the top of your head? Uh, I think this is a really good, even though uh, Lisa is the focal point of this episode, this is a really, really good Homer episode. Uh, pretty much everything Homer does and says in this episode is white gold yes. <laughs> and both he and bart are being kind of devious in this episode but in completely different ways yeah and they're on such a team i love uh i love them eating the pizza in the car as bart is steering and then <laughs> yes. the old man and of course it's grandpa and then hitting the sugar truck but i love mole man yeah uh, if only the sugar were as sweet as you sir yeah that one's really good i love that line about the village idiot if food stuff should touch the ground uh that <laughs> yeah. food stuff 
gets turned over to the village idiot, and since I don't see him around, start shoveling. Yeah. Uh, and I love the idea that the sugar would be transported in like a big oil tanker. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think probably like put a weird, like illogical belief in my head as a kid that all things were transferred in a big oil tanker. <laughs> Are they not? Cotton candy, <laughs> sugar, Ooh. molasses. That's fun. All like of toys. those things are essentially just sugar. <laughs> I know. That's true. Um, I, I was really into sugar as a child. <laughs> Heard of it? <laughs> wow, you must have been very popular. I know. I was a very unique child. I felt very uh, different and, and uh, I don't know, independent. Um, There's so no sugar in pixie sticks. <laughs> Um, so do you guys like Homer, uh, his quest for sugar or his quest for grease better? Oh, good question. Sugar. Sugar. Yeah. What about you? I, I like grease, but I, you know, it, it's hard to separate from all the other stuff in that episode, but, uh, they're both just so fun. They are so fun. I feel like this sugar plot was a little simpler than his quest for grease. Yes, you're right. And, yeah. uh, there was something really beautiful and, and yeah, s- simple. Good job, Homer. You are a mastermind. (laughs) Yeah, just the logic that he could sell (laughs) sugar, like, you know, resell sugar to the masses (laughs) in, like, these dingy lunch bags with holes in them was, like, a little more (laughs) Homer-y than him having this big plot that he's going to resell grease, which just, I don't know, it it involved a little bit more brain power, and and I I like a dumb Homer. Yeah, dumb Homer's a a good Homer, just like uh, whatever I said about Marge is a good March. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one of the lines that I, I think is so great, we keep going in between these three plots so well, um, is, uh, Lisa comes home and she's like, you know, maybe you could have been nicer to Principal Skinner if you know what I mean. <laughs> Lisa, I am nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what are, what are some other moments in this that, uh, particularly struck a chord with you, Liz? Well, uh, you know Lisa's in trouble when she's going to team up with Bart for anything. Um, And so I like this idea that Bart, uh, I mean, it seems like he kind of runs this business because he has business cards where (laughs) he uh, will, I I don't know, dig up dirt on your enemies um, (laughs) and destroy them for you. Print less cards. <laughs> uh, Put a spider down Lisa's dress. <laughs> yeah, the idea that um that she would uh, agree to stoop to his level and allow him to help her uh, prank Allison with the uh, biggest hose soaking of her life. Um, yeah, <laughs> is something that I just kind of it's a signal to me that Lisa's really in trouble if she's gonna agree with Bart on anything yeah and the biggest hose soaking of her life feels so appropriate for Bart as a character and Bart's age and it's kind of within like it's it's kind of like a kid version of Carrie and like let's just embarrass her well what does that do (laughs) makes makes her uncomfortable and there's bound to be some splashback oh I know I love that line (laughs) wait we make it wet too (laughs) yeah yeah I I agree with what you said I mean whenever Lisa listens to Bart because Bart is such a clear devil on your shoulder that we just know that the episode's not going to end well that it's going to be this like unraveling of all of these you know unfortunate consequences yeah, and she's she's definitely at wit's end here. Um, you know, we see her hyperventilating earlier, and Allison asks if she's hyperventilating, and she says, uh, "I know. I just like to smell my lunch," <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a very believable thing that uh, we should all use. Yeah, and Marge gives Lisa some great advice too. Believe me, honey, she's more scared <laughs> of you than you are of her. You're thinking of bears, mom. <laughs> I really like that whole scene in the kitchen where Lisa's, you know, uh, she's telling Marge that what should she do when she meets someone who's better at all the things that make her her. And she's like, oh, you'll always be my number one. And then Bart walks by and he's like, first born within e- earshot. She's like, I met my number one girl. And then Maggie's like tugging on her dress. Um, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I have two siblings. I'm the oldest, I have a younger brother and a younger sister, and I recall similar conversations <laughs> with my mom. <laughs> yeah. So um, given the 
order that you were born in, weird way of phrasing that, um, which of the which of the siblings did you relate to more as a kid? Is it uh, is it Lisa or Bart? Maybe Maggie? Oh, I'm definitely more of a Bart fan as far as the Simpsons children go. Uh, but I would have to say that I'm probably more of a Millhouse. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Millhouse, oh my god, his I, plot in this is so fucking good. <laughs> oh, it's so great, and I I completely forgot it was in this episode. It's always such a fun thing to realize that's this one, uh, because yeah. you know why would you think that this belongs? And it works perfectly because this is Bart failing at uh, helping out with um, the Allison situation, but does know the whereabouts of Millhouse or the movements yeah. of Millhouse. I I love it so much because it. it the episode could completely operate without it. And we only see two beats of it, really. I guess two beats uh, and a third beat could possibly be at the very end of the diorama-rama when we see Milhouse's glasses oh, all scuffed up because of all the, for sure. the, all, oh, yeah. all the hijinks. Um, but that reminds me of, I had a writing teacher who um, <laughs> talked about how, you know, even in like tiny details like that in the script, you want to make a meal out of them, which is a very writerly term. <laughs> but I think that it applies in this that, and the Simpsons writers do this consistently, that they really leave no stone left unturned. They just really try to make a meal out of like every detail of the episode and just really amp it up to make it as funny as possible, but also most logical for what the, the show is trying to accomplish. And I loved it. Yeah, it's so yeah. funny. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, they pay it off perfectly. And it's one of those things that you would have missed, like the the fact that his glasses are broken at the end after yelling, my glasses, which is also just such a funny <laughs> line. My glasses. He, he fell off. It's just great. But yeah. Um, also, I love I love whatever must be happening that the FBI is after Milhouse. Do you uh, have any guesses as to what, <laughs> yeah, what, what fan fiction would be written about mm. what was happening there? Uh, jeez, I couldn't even imagine what Bart would accuse <laughs> Milhouse of to get him on America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Uh, Drug trafficking? Yeah, d- maybe he's a he's a coke mule? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's a mule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I love, I mean, the, the beauty is that we don't know that it could be anything. And, and I do love a joke like the one that we see in the second beat where he's standing um, like right uh, in the on the dam like right over the little waterfall part part of it and he's his arms are up and he's like i'll tell you anything you want <laughs> leave me alone right well that's so a fugitive ref- reference yeah yeah um which was a movie that for some reason was like close to my heart when i was a kid was i don't it really? really know why i really liked that movie <laughs> do you think because it was on cable a lot I definitely went and saw it in the theater with my parents. Um, Was it because of a good parental memory? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. My parents never had that thing where they didn't let me watch or do things. Uh That's Um, why you're funny. Yes. I recall on a previous episode, you guys were talking about people who were not allowed to watch The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. Uh, I watched The Simpsons with my parents, Mm -hmm. usually. Um. And that was a great resource because there's a lot of references, especially in those earlier seasons of The Simpsons, that were just to things that were way older than right. what I would get. And so, you know, like my dad would be like, oh, that's a reference to The Shining or something. Uh-huh. I'd be like, oh, cool. Now I want to watch The Shining. Totally. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to ask if that influenced you in expanding your knowledge of popular culture um, oh, and opened the door for that. Definitely. I mean, it... The Simpsons introduced me to so many things that I probably never would have sought out. Like Bart dressing as, uh, you know, Clockwork one of the Orange. characters from Clockwork Orange. Right, right. Like, made me want to watch that movie. <laughs> right, yeah. I feel similarly. I, For me, it was because I love this show and I also love these characters and kind of trust them. And so if they are a portal to, like, if they like it, then I'm, I'm certain I will. Or if the Simpsons writers are giving like a nod of approval to this one thing. I'm like, oh, then surely it must be brilliant. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it already exists within the show, but if there was a book of all the things that the writers liked, I would eat that up so yeah. quickly. 
I know. Writers that are listening to the podcast, <laughs> please tell us what to watch and Ooh, listen to. Maybe we'll include that in the future as some sort of Patreon incentive. Ooh. Well, 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 well. Who's a wassail? Yowie. We have a wiener. <laughs> I never got a yowie. <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, this episode kind of comes to a head when we do get Lisa, um, really being very bad. I mean, she agrees to do something just that's bad. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I do love her Oliver Twist diorama, Me too. uh, which is very just frustrating, but it, you know, her, her mania there, you know, she's like, it almost killed me, but I got a hundred characters of Oliver Twist. It reminds me a little bit of Bard of Darkness with the oh, yeah. <laughs> with the script. Yeah. Uh, which She's sent as Helga. Which makes me really want to watch uh, Bart and Lisa try and uh, break a script. Oh, like, boy. Just to <laughs> That's some fan fiction that you oh, will have to write. What a boring fan fiction <laughs> that would be. <laughs> Bart and Lisa write an episode of The write Simpsons. Spec. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Dan Harmon would have a heart attack. He would. the most meta thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Uh, um, but from from here we get to see some of the other uh, things that people did at the the school fair or whatever that it is yeah diorama rama uh, (laughs) yeah Uh, and I don't know it's just so it's so undeniably school like I just they do such a good job of reminding me of exactly what school feels like Um, and so Liz for this episode um, you know you said that you were having a hard time deciding between this and Lemon of Troy, but as far as like this particular episode goes, is part of the reason why you chose it because you reference it a lot in your everyday life or it inspired you in some way, or you just felt like a personal connection to it? Um, Well, I've always considered it to be my second favorite episode of the Simpsons. Um, So it would seem like a show shoe in, in that respect. Um, But I think that one of the things that I really enjoy about this episode is that, uh, you know, when it comes to a head at the end and she switches out the diorama and she hides it (laughs) under the floorboards, it then uh, ties into the plot of being a telltale heart diorama. So she kind of has that uh, instance of being in that story. Um, And I really appreciate being able to tie those two things together it's not just the idea that allison made this diorama it's that it then actually becomes a part of the plot right right totally um i remember that you know at least in my school you had to read the telltale heart um when you were in sixth grade and just so many of us being able to be like, this is just like in that Simpsons episode. Oh, and, yeah. And realizing who my friends were going to be. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun if you don't know uh, the story. And uh, it's way more fun if you do, which is something that's always true of Simpsons uh-huh. references. Uh, like they don't, you know, you could watch that and not feel like you missed anything. Right, of course. But it, it's an extra boost of adrenaline when you're like, I know that. Uh, but one of the things that makes this so funny to me at least is that you know Lisa has all these fears of being replaced and of not being the best anymore so when she finally does come clean and the teachers are just like you know it's stale it's unpredict or it's you know it's predictable it's not that good and then they give it to uh you know, <laughs> Ralph, Ralph, just because Skinner <laughs> is a Star Wars nerd, which is a brilliant turn. Yeah. Because all the writers in the room were like, yeah. Yeah, of course he is. Of course he is. Uh, and also we are. And also, come on. And, and of course, just having, um, you know, uh, well, what do you think? I think it's lunch. Yeah, <laughs> what a great. Yeah, the ending to this episode is pretty brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, as you know, Julia, you mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of Hot Topic shirts with uh I bent my Wookiee and my cat's breath smells like cat food, which I say out loud many times a week just because (laughs) my cat's breath does smell like cat food. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, do you agree that your cat's breath smells like cat food? It's just such an obvious joke uh, that fits so beautifully into everyday life. Actually, last night after we watched this episode, I told Wolfman that her breath smells like rotting anus. Kind of does a little more. Uh, One of two two things about the uh, diorama rama scene, Uh, and one thing that I did not notice until I watched the episode again last night is that 
when Nelson does his grapes of wrath. Uh, here's the grapes, here's the wrath. He hits them with the mallet. Uh, The kids that he splashes with the grapes are holding up a clear plastic sheet, which is like very low-level Gallagher reference, but it's really hard to spot that unless you like freeze frame it on it. Yeah. Do you find that as a cartoonist, you pick up more on like details like that watching the show or other like more art based details um I don't know if it's specific to being a cartoonist but it's definitely I'm uh when I'm watching a show like the Simpsons I'm definitely like very visually watching it because there's so many sight gags right in that show um and it's probably what like really uh I mean, it's definitely one of the things that shaped my sense of humor and the way that I write and draw my own comics and the things that I try to do with it, like, come very much from this show. Yeah, I, uh, you know, as I said at the top, I'm definitely someone who loves um, your writing. It's really funny, but it does feel like an extension to just this world of, like, oh, smart and funny people. What a nice world this is. Yeah, like, what a good reprieve. Just people that are funny and smart, and that's 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 it. Yeah. You're smart and funny, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just there's something so safe and good about, like, oh, we all get it. Like, we all think, you know, we all think we're above fart jokes, but farts make us laugh. Yeah. And, you know, we all love references, and most of us would, you know, when we are with people and aren't watching movies, we're talking about movies. And, right. you know, it's just... It's just nice. It's fun. You know, it's fun to grow up when there are people that you know like the things you liked as a kid. And it's just yeah. so comforting. And, like, it's it's my favorite world to be in um, in terms of the smaller scale stuff. And it's just so nice. And this episode does a great job of, like, really connecting me back into The Simpsons kind of in the way that I watched it the first time. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things that The Simpsons does also is it seems to make a lot of jokes about like tropes in writing and this episode has that scene where uh allison and lisa are blowing riffs on their sacks and she (laughs) passes out and uh she has that scene with mr largo and he's like you made it and she's like i made first chair he's like no you regained consciousness allison made first chair and then she passes out again and it's the exact same scene (laughs) except for at the end of it he says and this is not a dream um (laughs) And that seems like a, a joke about that kind of trope. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It, yeah, that comeback It's very similar to that joke in Lemon of Troy when he's like, it's as useless as that yellow lemon-shaped rock <laughs> over there. There's a lemon behind that rock. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that it makes sense that that's your favorite episode just in terms of all the visual gags. Like when we when we did that episode, uh, there, were, there was just such a long list of all the visual stuff that was so great. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Simpsons are known for their sign gags and their visual gags and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's definitely something that, you know, really encourages several watches before they even, you know, knew that we would be streaming it now from <laughs> FX now um, and can watch it anytime we want. But With commentary. With commentary. Um, go to FX now, listeners. Um, uh, but it's it's something that's so great because it, I think, respects their audience that much more that they would provide so much more content for them and jokes for them and just not be lazy in the least bit it's so fun yeah i feel like it's such a good the the show is such a good balance of we write what makes us laugh and we want you to laugh too (laughs) (laughs) by proxy you will probably laugh too yeah um do you have any closing thoughts about this episode or any moments that we may have missed or even something from just the simpsons in general that you know, we did not touch on. No, it's just, it's really cool that we have things like DVDs and streaming services now because when I was younger, my brother and I used to just videotape episodes of The Simpsons off the TV and watch them over and over and over again. Um, And I was realizing when trying to choose an episode from this show that there's more episodes that exist now that I've like only seen once or maybe not even at all 
then there are episodes that I've seen hundreds of times, which is kind of mind-boggling right. at this point. Totally. We've we've tripped on that very like stony thought as well. <laughs> do you have uh, do you have any urge or um, you know plans to watch any of the newer episodes since they are available now? Actually, I think that I have seen every episode up to last season. Wow. Wow. Um, but I don't have very good memories of them. Right. Maybe because I only watched them once. Right. Uh, I sat down and was just like, I'm just going to watch all of these. Yeah. Uh, and so I was watching them all pretty much back to back. Um, and yet I don't have that experience of like just repeatedly watching any of the newer episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, we were all kids when we watched the episodes we loved so much. It really, you know, shaped everything about us, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the most delightful thing in that um, growing up and, and the trippy fact that The Simpsons is still on after all these years, but in finding other people that were watching it at the same time that I was and, and seeing it for the first time on television the same time I was, you feel like you're part of this sisterhood or brotherhood and you feel like this unspoken bond. And it's not to say that like other TV shows, especially other animated shows, were like lesser or sucks by comparison. <laughs> I just feel like The Simpsons are in their own category of being this really quality show. Totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the best things about watching The Simpsons when I was a kid was going to school the next day and talking about the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like kids today, like, miss out on that in some way? Because everything's streaming and not- nobody watches anything in real time anymore? <laughs> or maybe that's just people in their 20s and 30s. Yeah, maybe. I really, I have no idea. Um, I don't even know, is The Simpsons a thing for, like, do kids watch it anymore? Well, people will let us know on Twitter. Oh, yes. Please do. Oh, good. <laughs> thank God for Twitter, right? I th- I rise every morn and I thank God for Twitter. <laughs> uh, um, it is funny. I was talking about uh, this phenomenon of like, we don't have anything that we could watch in real time anymore. And I just wish we had that. And that's why the FXX marathon was so cool. And for the first time in years, I felt connected. And I'm, I was talking to somebody and she's like, have you heard of sports? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the debate. <laughs> yes. The debates are one of my favorite holidays. And it's, yeah. I do feel like I know where everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know where everybody is and I know who my real friends are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish we live tweeted uh, more things like this, but uh, you yeah. know, it, it is, it is special because of the limited edition McDonald's breakfast all day. Get oh, out of I my know. face. <laughs> I know. I want to live tweet more off things like, um, you know, uh, TNT's four o'clock showing of <laughs> swim fan. I think that'll be, uh, I think oh, people have been doing swim that. Swim fan. Yeah. <laughs> swim fan. Erica Christensen, anyone? That movie had a very sexy pool scene. Ooh, there was a whole era. There was like five years in the 90s where every movie had a sexy pool scene. <laughs> I, I can That's only think of like true. That's butter right there. Yeah? <laughs> sexy pool scene. I came Love of it. age sexually watching uh, probably one of those. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah, I just watched uh, Can't Hardly Wait for the first time this what? morning. That's how I started my morning. For the first time? For my first time. Can we take a moment Liz yes. you've seen Can Hardly Wait right? Oh, of course I saw it in the theater of you course. grew up without Mike Dexter uh, I oh, saw it at the drive-in fun. theater oh my that's god. how far I go but it's one of the best movies does it hold up I mean oh not my god you, you liked it it was perfect I, Jason Siegel's in it for a second I know he plays a stoner it made me so happy I loved this movie so much and like it just it sounds weird but it just fits in the Simpsons world too like does it just that like 90s smart funny like kind of embracing culture while making fun of it at the same time because like it's definitely a romantic comedy like that's undeniable but it's also kind of poking fun at other ones by being well written like if that makes sense so many subplots that are like woven throughout it Seth Green kind of 
that like Simpson-y vibe of telling the stories of all these different characters. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we've got the nerd who, uh, you know, (laughs) rises up and gets drunk and that, that one's really fun. We've got love burger. Yeah. Love love burger, (laughs) which is so fucking good. And we've got that guy, Donald Faison, uh, otherwise, well, better known as Turk from, uh, scrubs. Hell yeah. Um, he's, he's one of the, uh, musicians in that. Yeah. And then we've got, yeah, we've got all these different groups. Of course, we've got the, main plot with the green that was okay one last thing about can't hardly wait otherwise <laughs> we have to turn into a, an official can't hardly wait podcast which i'm, I'm fine in. with um liz are you in that uh there is a photo of me on instagram hand feeding a giant image of mike dexter a slice of pizza oh, from mike last year dexter. so i'm in let's do it somebody in there called me a <laughs> <laughs> he said it i was quoting him i wait, don't do you, get mad at me do you guys like mike dexter um, well, no, I was no, going to no, say, no. I did not like Mike Dexter, but I love him as a character. I love yeah. him as a character the too. Worst. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, my, that movie launched a, I'm going to say strong five year crush on Seth Green. Oh my God. Like, Seth Green is the From cutest. that movie forward, I had, I don't know if any of y'all remember this, um, but there was a thing <laughs> called a password journal that you would get yes. at like Toys R Us. Oh my God. It was big and bulky. There were literally five pages of the journal that you could write on inside, but it used voice technology to, um, you know, you speak your password and you open it up, but that doesn't make quite sense because anyone <laughs> can try and, you know, uh, mimic your voice and do it. But my password was Seth Green, Aww. and I just like fell in love with him. He also was um, short, so I felt like you know I was short because I was a young lady, <laughs> so I felt like we were very similar in that way. And he also kind of felt attainable. That's yes, <laughs> I feel the same way about. Um, that's why so many girls loved Michael J. Fox was because he's oh, yeah. short like us. Like he'll <laughs> yeah. you know he'll date me. He's my height. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna go for the the Justin Timberlake the boy band. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Or the Lachey to bring it back. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, we're going to um, go for one of those weirdos <laughs> in the back. Uh, Ethan Embry's pretty cute, too, now that I'm an adult. I didn't think he was cute when I watched him in, uh, like, Empire Records or stuff like that. But well, he played a really weird character in Empire yeah. Records. It wasn't very crushable. But Not at all. He did bring Guar into the equation, so we thank him for that. We thank sh- you, Ethan Embry. We should have a <laughs> 90s movie podcast. Liz, are you in? <laughs> I will talk about 90s movies anytime. Oh. I'll talk about what boys I thought were cute. Oh, I actually boy. really liked Ethan Embry in Empire Records and in Can't Hardly Wait. Love him in Can't Hardly Wait. I have you guys seen Get Over It? Yeah. Yay. Okay, sorry. We'll talk off off P about this. Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> what, well, one last question to you, Liz. Who was your 90s like movie star crush? It could also be a cartoon character. I yeah. was quite taken with Trent and Daria. Me too. Ooh, all, yeah. all of my friends. That's we a pretty dreamy one. My 90s movie star crush. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. I don't know. I'm having a hard time. I, it was probably someone who was like really embarrassing. Probably <laughs> someone who was very nerdy, which isn't that embarrassing, but it's definitely... It had to have been someone who wasn't really a heartthrob. Was yeah. it Landon Alger? <laughs> <laughs> I had a crush on Mickey Rooney uh, and, da- and Dana Carvey. So, oh, boy. Uh, and Garth Algar was my number one. That's so I, I get it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dana uh, Carvey is and Garth Algar. movie of all time. What was? But I never had any crush on either of those characters, which is interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's normal. <laughs> I feel like a lot of us were just really into young Simba, and then we called it a day. Oh, uh, how hot is Nala? <laughs> Ooh, she's smoking. Uh, that anyway. Wouldn't, anyway, sorry. Sorry, listeners. Sorry, sorry boys. <laughs> we, we just turned this into a slumber party. But you know what? Now you... You're it's invited. Like you're, you're invited. And you don't have to wait at the window and like try and hear who we like. We just told you. So How stupid are kids? Like, They're the I'm, dumbest. I'm remembering when I had a party. <laughs> I had a party uh, when I was like, you know, Lisa's age. And this kid... Uh, Jeffrey, who I had a big crush oh, on. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Everyone had a crush on Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. He, I still have a crush on Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> aged really well. Uh, he, uh, 
he was the first person to come to the party. And all of my girlfriends were just like, it's because he likes you. Oh, he boy. probably thought you were naked in the shower. Oh, boy. When, of course, the truth is Jeffrey's dad had somewhere to be and dropped oh, him off God. first. <laughs> yeah, girls are really terrible at, girls like, are so forming plots of, like, oh, wait, this is why. It's why we should all be writers. Yeah, like, we all have these brilliant schemes of why we everything do. was happening. Yeah. It's when like in this in episode. School, uh, the boy I had a crush on, I got his phone number, not from him, from someone else. And I was like, this phone number, it's like I already know it. It's meant to be. And I called him a couple times and I left him messages. And then finally I called and this girl's voice picked up the phone. And she's like, why are you calling me? And I was like, "Uh, is so-and-so there? And she was like, no, this is Brie. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was calling one of my arch enemies, who was someone oh, that no. I used to be friends with, who then we had a falling out, and their numbers were off by one number. Oh, oh no. And that was why it was familiar to me, not oh. because we were meant to be. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. So it wasn't the Barry Manilow Mandy moment for no. you. Ooh, way to bring <laughs> it back. Not to The Simpsons, though. <laughs> I know, but to Can't Hardly Wait. We're, well, we're really here. I mean, it's been, like, how many episodes? 27. Long con. This is actually a Can't Hardly Wait podcast. <laughs> So if you're just tuning in now, then you're right on track. This episode was brought to you by uh, Big Yellow Goggles. (laughs) (laughs) And more condoms than anyone needs in their lifetime. (laughs) Seth Green's character. I was thinking about doing that for Halloween this year. Next year. Seth Green? (laughs) Yeah, Seth Green and uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Find two friends to be the other guys. I'll be your Lauren Ambrose. I would love that. Okay. Anyway, Liz, thank you so much for being on. This has been such a pleasure. So we like to ask our guests uh, to come up with something that they would write on the blackboard uh, if you were Bart. What would you say? I wish I'd thought about this beforehand because I know that you do this. (laughs) Uh, I would say read my comics at lizprincepower.com. Yay! Yeah! That is true. And where else can people find you? Um... LizPrincePower.com is the easiest place because it has links to my Facebook, my Tumblr, my Twitter, my Instagram, my all of my social media bullshits. So that's pretty much the place to be. Perfect. You've been an excellent guest. Thank you so much for talking to us about The Simpsons and crushes and the 90s as a whole. It has been such a fun time. I feel like we got to do a part two with where it's just that talk. I think so, we'll too. We'll just do a slumber party episode. How about that? Guys, I can't hardly wait till oh! we meet again. <laughs> I'm going to have to get over it until that time comes. <laughs> and, Maybe uh, we'll be more in sync next time. Ooh, ten things I hate about you doesn't even cover. <laughs> I don't even know what sentence this is. <laughs> uh, that's all I could think of. Uh, something, something, never been kissed. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, and uh, find us on uh, Simpsons Pod. You could find me at Allie Gertz and Julia. Uh, at Julia Prescott on all the things. Uh, all the things. Uh, send us your emails and let us know if you're looking for love at We're uh, still doing that. Everything's Coming Up Podcast at gmail.com. We need more ladies. We need more ladies. And guys. And, and guys. We need everybody. Yeah. Okay. Let us know, uh, <laughs> you know, what your type is sure. uh, Simpsons fan or uh, Ultra Simpsons fan. Yeah. Uh, and in between, you know, let us, let us know your type. (laughs) Cool. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.